Hello there, welcome to a very sweaty episode 154 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. It is something like 99.7 degrees outside here in the United Kingdom. I think that's right. That's how hot my skin feels. Anyway, my name's Stephen Hill. Um, joining me is I what I would presume would be an equally warm Renfrey Deadman, as you have more hair than me. Yeah. Going to increase your body temperature, I mm. would say. I'm pretty damn warm. Um, I was not a million miles away from asking you if I could um, record this podcast topless, but I just assumed that you'd say no, so I didn't bother asking. Yeah, I just bored of that, to be honest. It's <laughs> happened too much. So I would have said no, not again, not the topless Renfrey again. I don't want to see it again. Particularly when you paint skulls on your nipples as well, yeah, like some well, kind of sort of um, tribal guy. <laughs> backing dancer from uh, Live and Let Die, the James Bond film. Is that the one where he goes out? Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's yeah, the, yeah. that's the. Yeah, I do know a bit about James Bond. I know a couple of things. Yeah. I know Madonna did the song, and I know that. That's the eyebrow raising one in terms of race relations. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, they all are aren't they most of them are oh uh, that one more so i would say oh, just, it? Okay. Because, just because they're in jamaica and there's a sort of insinuation that black people are criminals and blah 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 i mean mm. you could read that into it I <laughs> right i see see that you have done that uh, i mean they, don't, they don't do much about they don't do much for russian um no uh, western russian uh relations either do they let's no, be honest definitely not the early ones i was at the cinema um last night as a matter of fact oh, yeah. and uh, i saw watching thunderball <laughs> no but i was gonna say i saw the poster for the new james bond i've got really excited because uh, as you? we've discussed i love james bond but you you don't care for it at all do you I don't know. I'm more of an Indiana Jones man myself. Although, you know, to be fair, he, they, in those Indiana Jones films, they never painted the Nazis in a very nice light, did they? <laughs> so, you know, they're not, uh, they're not totally blameless themselves. I don't think you should pigeonhole people, Renfrey. I agree. I agree entirely. <laughs> um, I mean, I've got as much love in my heart for Indiana Jones as I do James Bond. I think. Indiana I thought you were going to say Nazis. Then. <laughs> no. I thought you were going to say I have as much love in my heart for Russians as I do Nazis. No, 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 no. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, yeah, good. Probably move on from that, right? Yeah. You've got you're pulling a face that says, "Please stop this line <laughs> of conversation." Um, just like to stitch Renfrey up at the start of the podcast. Mm. Hope we're all down with that. Cool. Anyway, listen. On the show this week, we're going to be reviewing new music from Alexis Marshall. Erdv, the Descendants, and Lower Automation. Plus, we'll be telling you, yes, yes, you, actually you, to go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and listen to us slag off Dream Theater, which is what we did this week. If you're a Dream Theater fan uh, and you want to get angry about people not liking your favorite band, I'm assuming they're your favorite band because... You like them. You either like they're either your favourite band or you don't like them. I have to say, to Steve is being ever so slightly facetious because actually we have had a few Dream Theater fans get in touch and they've all been very, very reasonable and said, uh, "Yeah, well, fair enough. No, you I'm don't like it." Really but, annoyed. Really annoyed yeah. that they haven't kicked off. <laughs> they all seem like really nice, reasonable <laughs> people who have all had sex, and we assumed that Dream Theater fans would be not nice geeks who haven't had sex. So there you go. No, it's funny how they got more angry at us pronouncing the name of the lead singer of Dream 
Dream Theater wrong, than they did us actually saying don't like Dream Theater's music. You kept calling weird, him. It? You kept calling him Mark Portnoy as well, but I couldn't be bothered to correct you. So sometimes, I? sometimes I can't be asked. Yeah, I, I actually mainly Mark uh, Portnoy. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe I did that. I can't believe I would do that. I'm pretty sure you did it at least twice in this episode. But yeah, I don't. That don't mind worry. you. It's fine. I did call uh, the singer from Madball. <laughs> Frankie Madball for fucking fucking ages (laughs) and I really love that band as well it's fine so I think I think I'm just basically there's too much information in my brain at this point it's quite difficult anyway listen exactly patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you'd like to sign up basically we did do Dream Theater's Metropolis part two scenes from a memory which is obviously a very big album in Dream Theater's back catalogue we put that out this week um and you know kind of spoiler alert we didn't quite feel about it as strongly as some people do feel about it but we were actually you know i don't think we really gave dream theater a kick in no i don't think so i think we just acknowledged that they are doing something very very well that that just isn't for us Hmm. and i think that's perfectly fair enough Yes, uh, we will be doing a Baroness Classic album, which you should have got this week, really. But um, we, we've done a couple of other things, that are sort of special things that we we'll, can't really tell you about. No, I think... I oh, kind we of, could. I kind of think we... Well, we, we have not yet mentioned at all, actually, that it is actually... Uh, the day that this goes out, on the following Monday, so three days from now, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, it's actually our third birthday um and you know first year we had a big uh sort of uh sh- sh- to do wank <laughs> <laughs> no uh we had a big to do at the signature brew haggerston and stuff and obviously we couldn't do that last year so we just put out a ton of podcasts far too many this year we've got a couple of podcasts um that we're hoping to do one of which we have already recorded and if i say so myself is is brilliant i've been editing it for the majority of this morning and having a whale of a time laughing at it mainly at uh, you and our two guests who are from the pop collaborate and listen podcast and we all made a list of our top five 90s one hit wonders um mm-hmm. and that'll be coming out in two parts for you sometime next week let's not say exactly when yet because i'm not exactly yeah. sure and then we have another one in the works which i'm not gonna say because we haven't actually recorded it yet but hopefully a very good friend of the show and people who someone who uh, a lot of you have shown a lot of love for in the past will be returning as well Mm, yeah Renfrey basically spoiler alert for that Renfrey absolutely wasted his five <laughs> um, <laughs> I really got bullied quite a lot during that one but it's fine yeah. it was very funny so yeah funny. yeah yeah well I mean you know you picked the things that you picked didn't you um, I just want to say a big thank you before we go any further a really really big thank you to the people who put the Mercury Prize shortlist together because when we reviewed Black Country New Roads for the first time, their debut album. I said, if this doesn't get nominated for the Mercury Prize, I will have Corey Taylor's face tattooed on my face. Right? <laughs> yes. So and I meant that. Right? I I've, would have done that. I forgot you said that. That's very funny. Yep. Because mm. I was that sure that that album was going to get nominated for a Mercury Prize. And lo and behold. It has. It has been nominated for the Mercury Prize, which is really good. I mean, a lot of people seem to have forgotten that I said that, and I hadn't. So, I mean, 
I should, I put, if it hadn't, if it didn't, I just maybe wouldn't have brought it up. But anyway, uh, the other nominations for the Mercury Prize in 2021 is Collapsing Sunbeams by Arlo Parks, Demo Tape Stroke Vega by Berwin, Black Country New Road for the first time, Not Your Muse by Celeste, um, Promises by Floating Points, Ferris Sanders and the London Symphonic Orchestra, Gets is Conflict of Interest, Fur Wave by Hannah Peel, Pink Noise by Lauren Vula, As the Love Continues by Mogwai, Yay. Source by Nubia Garcia, the unti- untitled open brackets Rise, closed backwards by uh, Salt. Don't think I've heard that. And Blue Weekend by Wolf Alice. Um, a little bit on the Guardian before we go into those particularly Renfrew. A little bit on the Guardian. It says um, acclaim artists who missed the nomination include veterans such as Paul McCartney, Marianne Faithful, Tom Jones, and Shirley Collins. Indie bands such as Dry Cleaning, Sleep of Mods, Squid, Idols, Shame, Goat Girl, and Black Midi. Rappers Heady One, Slow Tie, Nines, and Digger D. Pop singers Be the Booty, Declan McKenna, Roshan Murphy, and Ellie Golding. And heavier groups, groups including Bring Me the Horizon, Architects, and Svalbard. Who tipped who tipped the Guardian off about Svalbard? Wow. Matt Mills. Yeah. Matt, Matt Mills. Was Matt Mills <laughs> getting up? Say Svalbard. <laughs> But weird, that isn't it? That's uh, that's really cool. I hadn't actually read that, um, but that that is really cool. Um, yeah, it it does. Uh, no offense to the writer, but it does make me question uh, where they got that little tidbit of information from. And we both know that Matt is a huge fan of that Svalbard record. I believe it was his um, favorite album of last year. So that that I think we could put two and two together and make four. But that's fair enough. Like I, I mean. I'll say this, I definitely prefer Svalbard to Architects and Bring Me the Horizon myself. I don't think that's a... Mm. I don't think... I'm not sure if you'd say that. Probably not, but I do. Well, I bet it's clearly better than Bring Me the Horizon. Cool. There we go. Lovely. Like, far better than the Bring Me the Horizon album. Yeah. Um, far better than the Slow Tie album as well. I mm. think it's better than the Squid album and the Idols album. Mm. Didn't listen to Sleep of Mods. I'm looking at the other ones here. We didn't do Marianne Faithful. It was better than Paul McCartney's album as well, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. yeah it's better than a lot of the ones they didn't mention. As for the actual nominations themselves... Again, a few things that we haven't covered or I haven't certainly heard on here. Um, we've covered but th- I get... we've covered three of the nominees, I believe. Black Country, yeah, New Road, Mogwai and Wolf Alice. Yeah. We have, yes. Um, but uh, I quite like Arlo Parks. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't mind that album winning. Um, Floating Points, I, I have actually not listened to that record, but I don't mind them. Um, Lauren Vula seems to get nominated every time she has an album out. I think every album she's done has been nominated. Oh, really? um, so they're the other ones. There's a lot of stuff that I haven't heard in that, I've got to be honest, as is per with the Mercury Prize, to be fair. Mm. But yeah, out of the three we've done, uh, yeah, I mean, you were incredibly keen on two of them. Yes, yes. Incredibly keen. Who do you, um, who do you want to win? Well, to be honest with you, I, I'm assuming most people are going to assume that I would go with Mogwai, but but actually that Wolf Alice album, like it, it hasn't, it's barely left my listening at all. I absolutely adore it. I think they have already won it though, haven't they? Like, didn't they win they it? They have the won last... it already. Yeah. Yeah. So so that kind of makes me go, oh, maybe Mogwai should get it. Um, I mean, you know, truthfully, um, I, I don't really care. But having said that. I, I would be very happy if Wolf Alice or Mogwai won it. I'd be fairly happy if Black Country New Road won it. Um, I don't mm. really know the other ones. There's nothing on the nominations list that I go, oh, that's ghastly. Why the fuck is that nominated? To be fair, there are mm. a few things that I just don't know at all. But, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it's, it, it seems pretty, seems decent enough, you know. 
Yeah, I always don't think the Mercury Prize is always all right, actually. Yeah, personally. but you just know. It's one of the ones. It's just what I feel about prizes and awards and all that sort of thing. Well, yeah, there is that. But I think I always do go, ah, oh, because I, I think the good thing about the Mercury is I always end up finding something which I hadn't heard. Yes. I probably wouldn't have listened to. Like, I mean, we did Sons of Kemet the other day. Yes. Uh, the other yes. week. And the only reason I listened to Sons of Kemet is because they were nominated for a Mercury Prize. And I was like, fucking hell, this is brilliant. I will say something I prefer about the Mercury's over other award ceremonies is it, it does tend to flag up albums. It, it, like, I'd love to meet the music fan who's heard every single album that's nominated for a Mercury before the list is announced. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I'd be that guy or gal would have a very um broad range in taste in, indeed yeah and that's so, good yeah and that's, that's good yeah mm, yeah i don't mind america i think it's all right anyway um here's something you wanted to bring in as well renfrey about mps calling for a complete reset of music streaming to ensure fairer pay for artists i mean this is something that we have kind of insinuated over the years about the shitty shitty pay that artists get from Spotify and Apple Music and blah, 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 blah. Um, it is appalling and it has been a long time thing where everyone's like, oh God, just fucking pay people properly and obviously they don't. But um, it's probably the first time that actual people outside of the music industry have kind of come out in support and gone, this is a thing. Particularly when it's MPs who, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, they don't seem to give too much of a fuck about the music industry in the slightest, do they? I think it would be very, very um, easy, especially for uh, musicians based in the UK, to assume that MPs don't really give a fuck about them. Um, and I think, uh, in the main, that's sadly, based on their actions, probably true. So this is a really good piece of news um, uh, where the reverse is the case. There's been basically a six-month inquiry into music streaming and they have come to the conclusion um, that artists at the moment are receiving roughly 16% of the money that um, streaming sites give out to record labels. The rest goes to sort of record labels and syndication and all these all these different kind of right holders and so on and so forth but um they're suggesting that in the report that it should be a 50 50 split between the label and the artists which um certainly seems fair i i i would imagine a lot of people would assume that it's already a 50 50 split or maybe even 100 percent you know going to the artist um, but that isn't the case and yeah it's um this stuff is in the news a lot but the reason this one is different is because mps are finally agreeing and uh speaking out and talking about it which is really good that's that's the beginning of it changing unfortunately whether we like it or not it's mps who have the power to do something about this sort of thing um so hopefully this will be the beginning of that process i imagine it'll still take another two or three years because Blimey, is this sort of stuff slow? Um, but it is important, especially as streaming becomes more dominant. The growth that streaming has had, um, there's a chart on the BBC story of this, which just shows the last 10 years. And st streaming has become the most popular way for people to consume music, which is probably not a massive surprise. But back in 2011, it was not particularly popular streaming music at all um just to give an example so 
yeah, this is really, really good news. Um, and hopefully, some sort of uh, some sort of money will be given. More money will be given to artists for streaming as a result of it. I don't know though. Yeah. Well, bloody hell, it's going to hit old Daniel Eck from Spotify hard in the pot. He's not going to be able to buy Arsenal. He said he's going to buy Arsenal. I think he's going to strike. If they hit him hard in the pocket like that, you Arsenal fans, you can kiss goodbye to the signing Kylian Mbappe. Sorry, I've made this about football again, haven't I? Fucking hell. You can always bring everything around to football. There were some interesting things that come uh, that came about through the inquiry as well, just to bring it back to this. Um, yes, yeah, sorry, go on. Interesting testimonial from some musicians. Uh, pop songwriter Fiona Bevan revealed she'd earned just £100 for a track on Kylie Minogue's number one album, Disco. Uh, right now, hit songwriters are driving Ubers, she told MPs. It's quite shameful, which is pretty... That's astonishing, really. Yeah, wow. Um, Sheik's Niall Rogers said that the finances of streaming are shrouded in secrecy, adding, we don't even know what a stream is worth and there's no way you could even find out what a stream is worth and that's not a good relationship. There's often a number that is um, thrown around, I throw it around a fair bit, that it's like 0.0006p per stream is what you get. But actually, that's a gross oversimplification, to be honest, because the, the actual... Um, way that it is figured out is so complicated and so complex it just averages out to 0.0006p but it actually could be totally different to that you know so yeah it's uh it's uh uh, it's a mess (laughs) it's a fucking mess um but hopefully Mm. this is the beginning of it getting somewhat sorted yeah it's got i mean i just don't know that it can go on like this for artists you know what i mean i just think would be very very detrimental to anybody being able to make a living any kind of living out of making music at all so you know the one um, the one last thing i'll say on this i'm sorry i know i've taken up a bit of time with this but the one last thing i'll say on it is um if you have the stomach for it and if you know that it won't depress you um it's probably worth looking at the comments on the bbc article because it is quite depressing to learn how many people are completely oblivious to how the music industry works there's a lot of people on the comments who still seem to think we're like living in the 80s um i've seen all sorts of things like bands signed to labels because they want to become massive and that's how you do that and it's like well that might have been the case back in the 90s mate but the majority of labels now are independents who barely have any money like that's not how it works at all and just the sheer um naivety shown on their those comments is pretty depressing and i did scroll through it and realize that we have a long way to go before uh the man on the street uh truly understands what's happening with uh the music industry at the moment which is just something mm. that's worth bearing in mind, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, yeah you do read some absolute shit. Idiots, don't you? yeah. And you're scrolling past things that it's mad that anyone can say. You just go on the internet and write something, and then I can read it, and I my I have to, I I read that. Yeah. And I just think, God, I'm I feel stupider for reading that. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. There, there are people who still seem to think. I mean, let's just take a, an example at random. Conjurer signed to Nuclear Blast for their new record, and there are still mm. people who seem to think that Conjurer got will, will have got a million dollar deal or something like that. 
and champagne coming out of the wazoo and all that shit. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> no. Well, like how the last Deftones album was Metal Hammer album of the year because Deftones just threw 500 Money, grand in yeah. Merlin's pocket. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It's just like... No, what, uh, uh, why could... How could you possibly think that it just How? doesn't it doesn't happen people think yeah it's just that it since i've been working in the industry that has never happened to me no. or anyone i know so that's absolutely bizarre um speaking of absolutely bizarre now this isn't actually going to happen but we're going to talk about it anyway because it might be quite funny hey ed sheeran has said that he might be up for releasing a death metal album in the future Speaking to the son, of course, <laughs> he said he was really into death metal as a kid and then proceeded to prove how badly he was into death metal by listening to bands who don't really have anything at all to do with death metal. I listened to Cradle of Filth and Slipknot and all that stuff. So not death metal then. I mean, I hate to be that guy <laughs> that everyone who's not into metal goes, oh, you're always new in your subgenres. I mean, but I would have thought if you're into it, You'd know what it was, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, I was massively into reggae when I was a kid. I was listening to, you know, um, the Human League <laughs> and the Brazilian national team's World Cup song from 1970. <laughs> I was, yeah. well in, I was well into barbecue when I was a kid. I used to get some raw fish and then just eat it with, with uh, seaweed wrapped around it. <laughs> just lovely barbecued food. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's very nice that Ed Sheeran had a copy <laughs> yeah. of uh, Iowa growing up. You know, that's that good for him. Um, Cradle mm-hmm. of Filth. Do you think he would have got Midian or something? I don't know. He probably just saw... Nymphetamine? He might have got Nymphetamine. He probably just that saw one probably... of their videos on TV once and went, oh, remember that name so that I can say later on in life that I listened to death metal growing up, even though it isn't fucking well, death metal. Um, no, I mean, we yeah. sound like... We sound like pricks saying that, but you know, he said it's something I've never thought about doing, but something I would not be opposed to creating. I, you know, I mean, it would be uh, obviously it'd be awful if Ed Sheeran made a, a quite a great death metal album. Uh, it would be, you know, it'd be rubbish, wouldn't it? It'd be really, really bad, and it wouldn't. It would bear kind of no hallmarks of the genre whatsoever, I would imagine. But I would still quite like to hear it. Not gonna lie, I would quite like to hear it. I think it'd probably go straight into um, broken records. I mean, I can. I don't think it would be a good career move for him. I oh, know it'd be an atrocious career move for him. Mm, bad idea. Yeah, but you know, I said to you before we started doing this. I mean, I'm totally happy covering it. But I said to you before we started doing this, this is probably just something that he said off the cuff in an interview. Yeah, of course. And it it's is. and it's been jumped on by everyone, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's making a death metal album." And he was probably just like, "No, that's something that I said as a joke off the cuff." You know, so whatever. But yay, what a crazy world that would be if he did make a death metal. Record. I kind of want to hear it. You know what I mean? I do want to hear it. I want to hear Ed Sheeran's death. So I do I want to hear Ed Sheeran's death metal album. Mm-hmm. I want to hear um I guess a bit like when Post Malone did the Nirvana covers thing. And mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that is closer in reality to happening, I would say, than Ed Sheeran doing like a sort of immolation yeah style band yeah to be fair yeah because nirvana are a lot bigger than you know suffocation yes um <laughs> yeah i yes, don't think that's are. a controversial that's not a controversial take well on certain on, on the cert- metal facebook page it is yeah <laughs> admittedly. i was about to say on certain forums it would be a controversial take 
but yeah. Mm. Go on, Ed, do it. I dare you. I dare you to do it. Go on, make a death metal album. I dare you. Do it. Do it. Go on, do it. Do it. This is getting close to bullying, Steve. <laughs> yeah, he can't. shouldn't bully Ed Sheeran. He's done all right for himself. Bless him. <sighs> anyway, the, the closest thing we've got to Ed Sheeran this week is uh, our first review, I think, isn't it? <laughs> we move on. I mean, it actually is, because it's a solo artist and the other three are bands. So that's... Do you think if Ed Sheeran made a solo uh, sort of noise project, like, do you think he was like, I'm really into noise music? Do you think it would sound like this? No, no, I don't. No, I don't either. I don't. I think probably not. Our first album comes from Alexis Marshall. House of Lull, House of When is the name of the record. It is his debut solo album. He is, of course, the front man of Daughters, a band who we have spoken about quite a lot since the release of 2018's now, I think, cult classic record, you won't get what you want. Firmly, I would say, established as a legitimate modern classic. Um, just before, I don't normally read from the press release, Renfrey, as we know. Mm. But I'm going to do that quickly mm. with this. Because um, when we reviewed You Won't Get What You Want, uh, we were kind of a little bit surprised. Because I'd remember Daughters from their kind of earliest incarnation as a full-blown kind of grindcore, you know, fast hardcore band and yeah, Canada, when that Canada when, songs era yeah, yeah yeah and when this came along this album it was not that no. um and it took me a little while even though i liked it and it got in my top 10 albums a year i believe but it's still i don't think i appreciated just how good it was um it's most certainly an I, album that takes many many months i think to um make total sense of um I think I underrated it in the review and I think I underrated it when it came to albums of the year. But I don't feel too bad for that because I know full well that it's an album that I was never going to get immediately, you know. So, yeah, seeing it live helped, but I don't think I saw them live till February the next year. So, mm -hmm. Now, I have for a long time, we've mentioned that record in conjunction with a lot of bands that we've covered in the last few years. We've mentioned it as an influence and as a thing that people have kind of like, we go, well, it's a bit like Daughters doing this, like JJL, Daughters mixed with Nick Cave. We've mentioned even stuff like Clipping and Lingua Ignota and whatever. There have been lots of things where we have kind of referenced that album over the last few years. But actually sort of going, getting to the point, the kernel, the kind of nugget of what it actually sounds like, I always think is quite hard. So I did pick a little bit out of what the kind of approach to this record from Alexis Marshall was. Um, it says, whereas most music built around dissonance and tension feels like a cautious flirtation with nihilism or an excursion of role-playing the villain, Marshall's loathsome oratory and self-flagellating performances always conveyed a sense of true emotional gravity and danger. For his debut album, he wanted to push that sense of chaos even further by crafting an album around moments of spontaneity and sonic detritus, where a mistake could become a hook or the whip of a chain could become a beat. Thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are that's exactly what this record sounds like, more or less. Um, mm. This is a very, I mean, as you would expect, this is a very difficult and very abrasive listen. Um, so to give an example, this, the album starts with 14 seconds of silence, funnily enough, before first song, uh, Drink from the Oceans, Nothing Can Harm You comes in with a piano chord and some clanking chains and already it's kind of like oh it's quite ominous but it's not quite sort of ear-splittingly difficult to listen to yet and then a very 
dark, woozy sort of atmospherics ushering Marshall's vocals, which has come drift across the rooftops as I am here. And he's speaking in a sort of borderline demented speaking sing drawl. And then around the three and a half minute mark is where it hits you with these distorted drums that come in and giving the song a sudden industrial left turn into much grittier territory. Whilst Marshall blood curdlingly screams, the past is like an anchor. And that's just the first song. And that's like seven minutes of the, the first seven minutes of the record and it's very 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 dark and doesn't give you you know there's no real respite at any point uh during that song it's dark stuff and it doesn't really get much easier to listen to from there um we were talking on the phone the other day as we sort of mentioned at the top of this podcast it's really beautiful weather at the moment it is scorchingly hot and it has been for the last sort of five six days and the majority of the time that I've had this promo, it's been really beautiful weather. And it has been a challenge to just sit down and listen to the record because in my mind right now, where I am in this environment, I want to listen to like, this is like barbecue music. Like mm. this is this is the only time of year that I get pop punk records out, you know, um, and that's kind of what I want to listen to at the moment because that's yeah. Th- th- this is like in this weather with this album, this is like being molested in a tumble dryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, there's to go back before we go right into it properly. I mean, you have already done that, but there is a lot of expectation on this record. I think, of course, because yeah. this is the first music that Marsh has put out since you won't get what you want. Yeah. And one of the other things I noticed from reading all the kind of pack about this is that he said he feels more like a performer than a singer. Mm. And anyone who's seen Daughters over the years will probably be happy, I think, to confirm that he is an incredibly mm. demanding, very captivating presence on stage. But it is quite here, odd, I think, to hear someone who describes himself as such, as an entertainer, essentially. Mm. Um, to, to make a record that what, you know, while this record is, is dramatic, it's often bombastic, it's incredibly engaging, and particularly in you know his personality himself, but it is so deeply rooted in the absolute kind of stark reality of life. It feels like a really unfiltered look at some of the most sort of disturbing, frightening aspects of the human condition. And that isn't what, like when I think of a performer, I think of something a bit more Andrew Lloyd Webber. But this feels <laughs> this feels too real, I think, for him to be like, I'm a performer. Because it is yeah. white, hot, ugly, oppressive, nasty. You know, like, what kind of part are you playing, mate? Fucking Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's very. I think what we're trying to say is it's very, very oppressive. This album, whether you're listening to it in thirty degree heat or whether you were listening to it in the fucking North Pole or something, this would be very, very oppressive. It's just particularly, particularly oppressive for us at the moment. Um, that's not to say I hope that people don't get the impression that I'm saying I don't like it as a result of that. That's not the case at all. Um, I just wish the weather was a bit more miserable at the moment because it would go with this record a lot better. Um. I think this is clearly a really fascinatingly brave record from a really fascinating and quite unique artist. 
Um, and he surrounded himself with really brilliant people as well. John Severison from Daughters and Evan Patterson, uh, a.k.a. J. Jail. He's uh, also yep. in Young Widows. And I think they have subtly added uh, textures and bits and pieces which really... Um, just wrench up the tension and the the, the sheer i mean this, this this is if we did a top 10 noisiest like most acerbic records that we've covered on this podcast this would probably get in the 10 wouldn't it oh my god yeah definitely yeah, yeah. i mean we could off the top of my head i can only think of really the last daughter's album uh, lingering nota i guess if we counted the drift which we did maybe you could count that i guess you could count a tired teenage riot live at brixton i guess you would count more mother and that last record um that mm-hmm. she did there's not really anything else i can think of that ultimately springs to mind that you go oh yeah that's more oppressive and heavier and more de- kind of deranged than this i mean this all the stuff you said about you know bringing those extra people in and bringing in kind of textures and stuff ultimately like it's about marshall ultimately it is yeah and i think it's also this album falls like it, it relies on i think it, it ultimately it relies on a lot of tribal drumming a lot of kind of tribal drum sounds and there couldn't be huge gaps of silence between those drum parts and a lot of really really wild electrical noise a lot of very screaming squalling guitar parts and a lot of piano a really lot of kind of dark baroque piano but like you say the focus of all of it is always his voice which mm. is you know deranged at some point yeah. you know what i mean like really you get the opening the opening song um drink from the oceans uh nothing can harm you starts doing like what I can only presume is throwing a drum machine at the wall over and over again, <laughs> just in the studio. And he sounds unhinged. And I love hearing a vocal performance with such conviction. And I don't think there's many people that can do it quite like he's doing it now, where you don't even need to change the lyrics. It sounds like he's saying different lyrics because of the intonation that he's saying, the, the way that he's saying it. But repeating again, you know, the Hounds of Abyss absolutely decimates you with just drums and the same lyrics becoming more and more frantic, more and more intense, kind of build into something without really being, you know, like it, it builds without really being obvious that it builds in a very post-rock way, Renfrey. Hey. And the par- hey. the paranoia of that song, especially with lyrics like, are you the one who's been throwing rocks at my window at night? And are mm. you the one breathing on the other side of my bedroom door? I mean, it brilliantly evokes that sense of being stalked by an unknown and possibly dangerous presence. And maybe this is a good point to say that I can understand why some people would not want to listen to this. Um, you said it with the Lingua Ignota Caligula record. You acknowledged it's genius, but at the same time, you're like, I don't want to listen to it. Uh, you're going to have to listen to a new Lingua Ignota in a couple of weeks. Um, but. I and and you know it feels like this record should sort of come with some sort of warning uh there are dark lyrical themes that marshall was able to evoke through his really d- delirious i think is the word tortured soul and the clanging borderline tuneless music is similar to caligula and you won't get what you want 
Um, but I actually think this is more abrasive than both of those records because both of those albums have really, um, you know, in some some cases fleeting, but they do have quiet really parts. beautiful... Well, yeah, I was going to specifically say beautiful as well because there are quiet parts in this record, but there aren't many beautiful parts in this record. Um, yeah, that's true. Caligula has some really you could you could isolate a few moments from that and be like oh my god this record is so gorgeous and i think there are bits and pieces on the daughter's record you could do that with as well there aren't really any on this one and that is really tough that is an impressive tough listen um after 43 minutes um but i also admire it for that as well i admire the fact that sort of brings you down to that dark place and then keeps you there having said that i totally understand that some people would not want to listen to that so that's you know yeah i mean there's a song on it called it just doesn't feel good anymore and it's i mean it's no fun that song is it i mean it, you, I, I was listening to it and i was almost like is this even music like i think it's amazing by the way i think it's amazing but it sounds like musically just like a studio being trashed yeah just things being kicked over he's being screamed like don't move you you have to like always tell you you can't do all these things. I was like, is this an anti-lockdown anthem, or is it a sat, <laughs> or is it a satire of an anti-lockdown anthem? I don't really know, but it scared the shit out of me, and I fucking loved it. Well, I didn't really know what was going on, or what was going to happen, or what it was about, or why he was so annoyed, or yeah. But it was just it was just horrible, and it follows it up with two songs, "Youth is Religion" and "Religion's Leader," which are almost two similar levels of intensity next to each other but they're totally different songs so the first is like this kind of quiet spaghetti western thing and the second is like this broken beated tribal destruction and but they seem to mirror each other really brilliantly and some of the, I mean, some of the lyrics mirror each other as well yeah songs. yeah they do and it, you know there's bits of like italian horror soundtrack stuff in it like no truth in the body open mouth has got lots of drone in it and then the way he ends the album with Night Coming is just in a, it's just the bleakest, darkest, like this unrelenting, just baroque piano over white noise with some barely audible spoken word passages. And the album ends and you feel like you've been put through the fucking ringer. You do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tough, yeah. it's a tough old record. It is a tough record. Now, it ain't the weather for this record, as we've said, but good Lord, I think this is, a fucking amazing record there are not many people in the world right now that have or could be making music that sounds like this and i, I kind of love alexis marshall for that i mean i'm gonna say this right let's wait to the end of the year before we really decide how good it is but we were nice about i mean i was i think out of i think the black black peaks guys were on the week that we did daughters you won't get what you want uh, I, think I think it was were, matt i think it was matt from Haggard Okay, maybe, yeah, it's Matt from Haggard Cat. And I think a couple of us were like, I mean, I know you were like, oh, I'm not really sure. And I was like, I think I really like it. And I think Matt was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I, I think I quite like it as well. But I don't want to make the same mistake of not telling people to go out and listen to a member of that band doing that thing again, because I'm not sure we pushed Daughters hard enough last time. Yeah. And I don't want to make the same mistake because I think, I don't think this is as good. I have to say, I don't think this is as good as the no. Daughters album. no. But I think it is different. I agree. I A B'd this album with the Daughters album earlier today. 
And after doing that, I definitely don't think it's as good as the Daughters album. The reason I don't think that is because um, You Get What You Want gives you moments like Satan in the Weight or Less Sex. Those moments where it does grab you by the balls and refuses to let go. Hooks, basically. And I think those moments are purposefully omitted from this record. But as a result of that, I don't think it will go down in history as like an acerbic noise masterpiece. That said... It is fucking great and kind of allows daughters to go off in totally new in a totally new direction once again not that they need permission to go off in a new direction because they pretty much have done that with all four of their records um but i think that'll be really exciting when or if uh daughters sort of reassemble and put something out i hope so i hope so after this yeah me too yeah it, it like this is this is great do you know what I mean? I think this record is great. I think, obviously, he's just... He's just fucking brilliant. Like, I think he is... Oh, God, am I going to say he's one of the most... Capti- yeah, fuck it. I think he's genuinely one of the most captivating voices in music today, to be honest. I would go as far... I would say I think he's one of the most captivating performers in music today. I think when you see him on stage... It's very difficult to take your take your eyes off of him. I think there's an argument to say he's one of the most captivating voices, but I'm not as convinced of that. But certainly as a performer, he's so unique and so... I mean, yeah, it's pretty special seeing Daughters live. Do you think this will be... I mean, I don't know how most of these songs could be played live. I, I mean... Um, I guess that they'll have to. It'll have to be right because he surely will will go and tour it. He doesn't have to tour it if he doesn't. Well, no, I guess he doesn't have to. Yeah, no, I suppose you're quite right. Yeah, I guess he doesn't have to. I mean, there must. mm, Yeah, I mean, well, when you say play it live, I mean, I think he could go out as a solo artist and have a backing track of the music and recreate the vocals over the top of it yeah that would sort of be sure. that would sort of be the lingua ignota route mm. sort of uh i, I mean th- that's what made me think it because it does feel like this would be very very difficult to recreate live but yeah. then i'm sure there are people who could do it yeah it feels like it'd be difficult to create it in the first place so i'm yeah. sure you know i don't have the ability to do that there's and a neither do you there's a <laughs> but um, there's a very <laughs> improvisational feel to the record and they did say that most of these songs they went into the studio with no songs no ideas mm. and they just played around basically and that is what this record sounds like a, a lot, a lot uh, i mean look, yeah and a couple of weeks ago you know we were talking about the mars Volta, and they're a band who do i mean obviously there's clear song structures when you listen to the mars Volta albums that you can follow along to but the, the the point i'm trying to make is obviously when you go and see a band like the mars Volta, they might play a 35 minute long version of a song which is actually only five minutes on a record yes Yes. and they do do that quite a lot so if they were to go hey do you know what we'll do something with the music and we'll just see how we'll we'll keep that approach yeah i mean they could do it what it would sound like i have no idea be interesting though i mean i'd love to see it i would really really love to see it yeah yeah it'd be i'm sure it'd be fascinating and anything alexis does i think is at the very least fascinating so i'd be curious to Mm. see it but i also wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't happen yeah it's very good though Mm. it's very good i think it's 
Yeah, it's it's too hot to listen to it right now. It's too, ni- it's too <laughs> yeah. nice. Life is too nice to be listening to music like this at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's out now. If you want to kind of ruin your sunny summer, <laughs> don't have a barbecue this weekend and invite your parents over and your little sister or whatever and then start putting this on. That's not no. the thing to do. That would be like, that would be not a nice experience for them. They wouldn't have a good time. They'd leave. Yeah. And your barbecue would be a disaster. Yeah. But you might enjoy this album. If you're the kind of sadist that would put this on a barbecue, then I have a feeling you'll like this record. <laughs> anyway, House of Lyle, House of When by Alexis Marshall is out right now. Let's move on to our next album, which comes from Erdv. Is that how you say that? I think so. Erdv. Yeah. Um, Svaligalia. Is that how you say it? I don't, I don't, know, I don't know about that, but it means self-pity. I know that much yeah so um anyway this is the second album from the lithuanian hardcore black and sludge metal band who we last heard from when we did a catch-up show and we reviewed their debut album oh for fuck's sake <laughs> uh Vito- vitomas in 2018 that's a good shout yeah that's good i think it, yeah vitomas and i say black metal i mean i did google them and someone had called them a black metal band i mean this is a bit too fat and stompy to really be considered black metal really this in it so i don't know if the black metal thing i don't know where they get blackened i've i've said i called some people them, have called them a black metal band which i don't think is true i called them experimental hardcore sludge i think that's fair well ed sheeran called them a death metal band so <laughs> uh, they must be a death metal band um yeah we uh we reviewed i mean we reviewed that album their debut album back in 2018 in the sort of the early days of us as a podcast i'd kind of forgotten about the album to be honest and then when you said we were doing that i was like it rings a bell and then i was like ah yes and i went back and listened to that record and i was like oh yes this is really good we liked that record didn't we very good album indeed it's quite immediate whilst being expansive and dynamic at the same time i think it's a very good album i didn't forget about it um but yeah great record uh i think this album carries over those qualities of being expansive and dynamic although this time with a fuller sense of purpose and better songs um and there's 10 songs on this record as opposed to vitamins six so (laughs) that's that's good um this gets off to a rollicking good start doesn't it steve oh fuck me i mean this hits hard yeah and fucking often as well i mean the opening riff just comes in yeah on uh lavon dems yeah that sounds good to me and it rarely rarely lets go uh it's total this, and utter sonic obliteration oh yeah it's start. just like yeah. a, a fucking mushroom cloud yeah of like just just yeah destructive i mean you know this is bits of kind of like in general the whole album i think it's bits of converge bits of conjure bits of isis bits of burnt by the sun all that kind of super deep guttural growling hardcore bands that really hit you super fucking hard a bit of nails Mm -hmm. a little bit as well but it's also got that kind of post-metal thing about it as well where it feels grander um I mean, actually, you know, when I say ice, obviously ISIS are like that and Conjure are a bit like that as well. And Converge even can be a bit like that. But it's got kind of a bit of a, a, a grander quality to it at points as well. But ultimately, this is just many bricks in many faces very often. 
Yeah, I think that's true to an extent. I do think the post-metal stuff is quite important though as well. Whilst I wouldn't strictly call them a post-metal band, they do have those kind of expansive soundscapes to what they do, but they've actually learnt how to condense those absolutely seismic sounds into relatively small digestible nuggets as well. So a couple of songs on their debut flirted with the seven to eight minute mark. The longest song on this record is the title track at 5 minutes 45 but it sounds no less epic than anything on Vitationas. in fact if anything it sounds even mightier I would argue um, I certainly think doing an AB comparison I think both of these records are fucking great but I do think this one's better I agree Yeah, I listened to that album um, I'm going to try and say it before you know after listening to this and mainly what made me go back to it is that I I think this is so great this record that I was like Same. I must have missed something I think this album is so great you get like the really clean chords that open smaller mm. and then that stomp that comes in fucking beautiful yeah and then vote there's like a votus which starts up really slow but when it erupts good lord I mean the absolute sonic power the way that everything just kind of bleeds out the side in this and it is just raw nasty un unbearably heavy yeah like unbearably heavy but then also there's a song called um pragulos which is mm. great and it's bordering on being kind of melodic kind of doomy doomy melodicism which is really wicked mm. and then the, and then the contrast for when the dillinger escape plan meets nails grind of the title track comes straight in after mm. it mm. and then towards the end of that song they just play this one riff absolutely crushing your mm. skull squeezing the fuck out of your brain yeah. for ages and then a piano comes in not an alexis marshall smashing a piano with a sledgehammer randomly kind of feeling but a no a nice little bit of piano mm. and that's kind of about 12 minutes of the album yeah and all of it has sounded completely different in that little 12 minute period back to back to back and that's fucking great man yeah this really shows how you do dynamics within heavy music i think much in a similar way that uh conjurer did with their debut and i'm sure they will with their second album as well and um, pregulus is is in particular is a really brave song for a heavy band to do because they're not afraid of using space or even silence for quite large periods of time in that song and it makes the sonic maelstrom that comes in later when the title track comes in even heavier by comparison you know and that is really wicked and then going into that piano bit it's just it's just a really gorgeously beautifully well put together heavy album um and i should also note that the album is self-produced by the vocalist uh vitotus darialis oh i've ruined that but vocalist and guitarist mm -hmm. he, and he's done a bang up job it sounds so dynamic without ever compromising on the really thick tar heavy sludginess of it and um, they sing in their native Lithuanian as well, which I think gives a, a sense of mystery, which I kind of like. I don't know what these songs are about. And actually, most of them I couldn't um, I couldn't get translations for. But I do know that some of the titles uh, translate as concrete decomposition, uh, you know, and and and. <laughs> that sounds very appropriate for the music that is happening even though i don't know specifically what those songs are about i'm like yep this sounds like a song called concrete because it's hard <laughs> as fuck it's hard yeah, yeah. it's harder than you me 
then one. Okay, one. Yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah probably yeah, it is harder than me to be fair. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great fucking metal record. And yeah. I'll tell you what, as well, right? We've been pretty nice about metal this year, considering yeah. we don't like it. And Fantastic. you know, I think you know, like you've got Urn, <coughs> Dune, Ruins of Beverus, At the Gates, Tribulation, Cannibal Corpse, Kajira. Even while she sleeps, in Architects. Yeah. Even if you count them as metal, I think we've been very nice about all of those albums. And this is yet another reason why I think you know to hold up as metal as having in the strongest year that it's had for a really, really fucking long time. Yeah, best year for metal in a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. this album is really, really good. And if you just like the idea, you know, like there's nothing particularly unique about it do you know what i mean they're not gonna you're not gonna hear this and go you know we're not talking about um you know like we were with alexis marshall where you're like this is a unique singular voice in music at the moment no i think there are definitely elements of all things that i've heard before in this band mm. but they're just done the the kind of the sonic soup that they create to put them all together it's just expertly realized perfection mm. yeah mm. But like perfectly realized and it's really 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 fucking cool i agree wholeheartedly um, i'm not gonna yeah. ask you if this is the best record of the week because i think that alexis marshall has a lot more space to develop in both of our opinions but is this your favorite record of the week as we record I, I think the alexis marshall album is my favorite record ah okay okay well yeah. heard of it at the moment with the weather, blah blah blah. Not that this record is particularly. I was say this isn't exactly weather. like this isn't summertime by the Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff, is it? I find this easier to listen to than the Alexis Marshall record. I mean, mm. there is no fucking doubt of that whatsoever. No, no, no. no. Um, I actually had this on in the garden while I was uh, watering my lawn. There you go. And I was like just bobbing my head along yeah. with it, like. Oh, and you can and you can do that. You can do that, and it's not. Thank you. Too. <laughs> You are allowed to do. I I allow you, sir, to do that. I appreciate that. Thank you for letting me do what I want in my own house, Renfrey. I think that's very good of you. That's very, that's very good of you. Shall we talk about some punk? Oh yeah, if you like. Anyway, Erdva. The album is called. Oh God. Well, it's out. <laughs> Savi Gala. Savi Gala is the album. It's called Erd. E-D-E-R-D-V-E is how you spell the band. And then their new album. They're brilliant. Go and listen to it. Very, very good. If you're a metal fan, you will like that. Um, yes, let's talk about some punk. We're going to change tack quite a bit here. We're talking about The Descendants. Ninth and Walnut, the eighth studio album. Not that many, is it, really? From the Californian skate pop punk innovators. The follow-up to 2007's Hyphacafium Spazinate, which was all right. Um... But is it actually the follow-up to that? I mean, is it really? We'll talk about that in a second. Um, cool to Be You, which came out in 2004. Feels like a really long time ago. Bloody hell. Um, but that is a great album. Mm-hmm. Cool yep. to Be You. Yep. And when you want to go all the way back to Everything Sucks, which is probably my favourite Descendants album. Yes, even more so than... My Lego yeah. to College. That's 1996, the greatest year for music. But that's a long fucking time ago. Yeah. A long time ago. I think something that I find refreshing about Descendants over a lot of their peers is they don't actually release records all that often. And so it still feels like an event when they release albums. You said eight, this is their eighth studio record. That's in 
42 years or something like that so <laughs> it's it's it is quite rare that descendants record comes out and i think as a result that makes it something to well, really it, look forward to you know i mean it's it's 39 years now since 39. milo goes to college okay yeah came out i'm sure they formed 79 though i think yeah they, they did yeah yeah so you know like that's that's wicked and 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 there's a lot of bands of their vintage where if they were releasing a new record, I wouldn't, I'd be like, yeah, fine. Good for them that they're still doing it. But I don't feel that way with Descendants. I was actually quite excited to hear this and review it. Mm. Uh, but yes, it is a little bit different um, because it was recorded in... It's an odd one. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Like, It's weirdly because it was recorded in... This is material written from the band first form. They formed in 1977, not in 1979, by the way. So this is oh, material right. made from 1977 through to 1980 before the first Descendants album was released. So this is the pre-Milo Goes to College material. I mean, I know they had an EP out before that, but um, and a few singles here and there. But this is the sort of pre-Milo Goes to College material that was never recorded. And it was weirdly as well, like these, this, all of this was recorded in 2002 when the band initially reformed, which... You go and say, okay, so you've got music that you've never put out before, all these old songs, and in 2002 you decided to record them, fine, but now you're only releasing them now, mm, mm. in 2021. So the songs are like 44 years old. Yeah. This recording is 19 years old. Yeah. And it's coming out today. Yeah. It's weird. Like, it's really weird. And in the hands of many, many bands, you might go, why would you do this? And I think it is a good question that we should probably posit on in a second. But luckily for the Descendants, they have sounded pretty much exactly the same for the entirety of their career. They have. 40 years now. So it doesn't actually really matter that much. But I think if you'd have not been told that, you'd never have known. I agree. Age has barely diminished their sort of... um abrasiveness or attack at all really i ab'd this with milo goes to college and they sound pretty similar kind of helps that it was recorded what 19 years ago uh when yeah. they were you know almost 20 years younger um but who cares it, it works and it's kind of it's sort of bonkers that they've been sitting on this material because some of it's really good really good yeah it is some of it is really good i mean I I I I do I I'm I'm still I'm not sure I'll ever know the thought process of like why they've decided to do it now. No. I don't, I mean after all this it is it is really weird and to sort of go yeah yeah it's our new album yeah like, oh is it well, really old songs that you recorded twenty years ago that's your new album yeah, is it? yeah. but it, it's really weird but this is like you know you used to get them books. And you'd be like, do you want to go into the dragon's lair? Yes. Or do you want to go around the castle? And Fight, you'd go Fighting to fantasy book. books, I think they were called. Yes. So here's a very short one of them. Do you like the Descendants? If yes, press play. If no, walk away. The end. Right? Pretty much. It sounds yeah. like the Descendants. The Descendants sound like the Descendants. And like you say, some of the material on this... It's fucking great. Yeah. It's fucking great because the Descendants are great. I mean, um, You Make Me Sick is a kind of coffee mug style fast one. You got uh, Tired of Being Tired is one of the more kind of like super oh, fizzy ones. That's great, that song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hectic World is really good. That It's a rat race. It's a rat race. All that stuff. Yeah. There's a song called It's My Hair, 
which is really funny because again this was recorded 20 years ago but probably written 25 years before that and it's a song where someone's getting angry about the fact that somebody's telling them to cut their hair and now like that no you know or how they should have their hair and now people don't really do that anymore do they no, no one really does that no. so it's sort of going like, oh that's sweet that do you remember those days when just having a mohawk was like seen as sort of rebellious and you weren't allowed to do it? But it, um, but it doesn't affect the quality of the record. I'm I'm okay with that because it feels like it's harking back to a nostalgic time when people did do that. So yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah, Don't mind it. and there's lots of like kind of love lawn. Like I need a girl. I like girls. Like I need some. Uh, he's like, I need a girl. Please, I wish I had a girlfriend. That kind of thing. I co-wrote all of those. Yeah, he did. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted to call Black Rose. Parts one to fifty-six, didn't you? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, the Descendants are fucking awesome. Yeah. Like they're they're just a great band. Like they write really funny little, very quick. Like there's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing even close to like the longest song on this record is two minutes and twenty-three seconds. Uh, yeah yeah i believe so it's 18 songs in 25 I mean, minutes and 24 seconds. Yeah, you, you got it and you were like oh god it's 18 songs and i was like yeah but you know it's not a curried and cambria album that's mate. true descendants yeah and then i loaded, <laughs> like, like, loaded oh, it up no found out it was 25 minutes and felt like a fool yes yeah, yeah and i was like yeah but that, that'll be fine because at least sort of <laughs> seven of them will be 30 seconds long yeah um and it's not quite that i mean there's a fair few that that are under the minute mark i think there's one two three of them three four of them are under the minute mark but you're looking at everything's between kind of a minute and 15 and two minutes yeah basically yeah and they get in they get out they do the thing they sound like the descendants descendants have got loads of personality yeah it's not particularly original music nope but it was written in 1978 so it probably wouldn't be it was recorded Mm. in 2002 but the descendants are really great yeah nothing else says it's welcome on this record it zips by um just a couple of songs that you haven't mentioned yet i think night age is one of the most fully formed songs on mm-hmm. the record and that she is playing with my heart chorus is wicked i seen that's a little nod to my age as well for mine goes college uh, goes to college um i think i don't actually many uh, i don't actually listen to all that many punk bands from this era to be totally honest with you um but descendants are uh uh a a a exception to that rule because um and i think it's because of my love of early green day and early green day clearly clearly nicked loads of stuff from the descendants i mean oh god they all bloody nicked everything on yeah, descendants yeah 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 but just they all did just the way that mike Dern plays bass is almost exclusively ripped off from Carl Alvarez's way of playing. Just listen to Be Tired of Being Tired or Mohicans. That's another great song. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. That's a brilliant song. But I also really like, like, there's really nice details. Like in I'm Shaky, where Milo sings, Last Night I Made Love to My Radio. And the bassist, Carl, responds with this classic, like, rock and roll type riff. Um, and it just feels like a little nod as if the mu- like the musicians are paying attention to the lyrics and kind of playing off of those lyrics rather than just ignoring them, you know, mm. like some bands do. And I really, really like that. Um, there's also a dark uh, Dave Clark five cover at the end, uh, which is a great yes. way to end the record. Oh, right. OK. I was going to say, I don't I mean, I don't like that song. Oh, I just don't. I just don't like 
that actual song. Okay. Oh. I mean, I don't like Glad All Over. I think it's rubbish, to be honest. Okay. I, 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 uh, I just think, especially in the weather that we're having at the moment, like that sunshiny barbershop quartet style call and response harmonies, and it's really effervescent. Mm. I think it's a nice way to end the record. Um, I don't think it's essential, but I like it. I don't like it any less than anything else on this record. I think the whole thing's really yeah. good. I think it's. A- I, do. I think the record's good, and it's not like I'm going, well, you need to take this off because it's too long or whatever. It's, like, it's definitely not. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, God, I don't like this. This is a crap song. It's oh, okay. just made it a little bit faster. Okay. Dave Clark 5, glad all over. No, 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 no. Not for me. Don't start another beef. You've already got well, yeah. corner shot. <laughs> <laughs> Pissed yeah. off. I think Dave Clark Five cannot be alive still. No, probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I can't imagine that. Don't Google it. Who cares? Who fucking cares? Anyway, I'm sure you are. He's going to Google it, everyone. Don't worry. We'll find out. We'll get to the bottom of this. <laughs> They're certainly not on Twitter. I can tell you that much. Right, okay. Or they, and they don't listen to podcasts. Can you imagine if the Dave Clark Five was still alive... And they decided that they wanted. They were like, "Oh, we really like that last third of the album. I wonder what these guys are going to say about it." And they end up getting slagged off. Um, Dave, from like eighty-year-old man. Well, Dave, yeah, Dave Clark is still alive. He's eighty-one. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, I Don't, feel bad now because I slagged off an eighty-one-year-old man. Yeah, well, you're a terrible person. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. Should have heard what I was saying about Captain Tom. <laughs> oh, oh, killed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's move on. There you go. Descendants. Uh, the album is called Ninth and Walnut. Fair enough. Um, let's where, move on to where the self- their practice space was. I think that's mm. what it's named. Uh, let's move on for our last album of the week. We've actually done a pretty short podcast this week. Yeah, we? yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know why that is. No. Too hot. Too hot. Just hot, isn't it? Yeah, it's hot. Just too hot to be alive. Uh, Lower Automation, self-titled debut album from the Chicago Mathcore Loons. We last covered this band when we did their Shoebox Companion EP. Again, back in the day, I believe it was sort of 2019 It was quite time. early. Yeah, fairly yeah. early. Um, in fact, no, it was earlier than that. It was it, That came out in July 2018. Okay. And they have had a couple of things out since then, but this is, in fact their debut full-length album. I say full-length. It's actually about as long as the Descendants album, pretty much, isn't it? It's only 20-something minutes. It's 20 minutes, 41 seconds, so it's uh, almost five minutes shy of the Descendants one. Yeah, this is this is 10 songs in 21 minutes, basically. Yeah, mad that. Mm. Um, we said when we did that EP back in the day that they had a, bit, a fair bit of promise Yes. when we reviewed that. Um, it's clear to me that they have come on a fair bit since then. I think it's obvious. the The main thing that I would see say seems super obvious is that the production on this record is mm-hmm. clearly far better mm-hmm. than the last record. Mm-hmm. Like definitely, it's set everything. There's a clarity and a, a punchiness and a beefiness, and um, but whilst without losing that kind of raw edge that I really liked about them, that I think they've captured really, really well on that record on this record, which I think. I'm not saying they didn't have that on the last one particularly, but I think the 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 step up in quality in terms of the sound of the record is very very clear. Like mm-hmm. they've uh, chucked some money at it, maybe I'm not sure if they have, but you know, mm-hmm. does sound like they might have done. Yep, I, I I think that that could well be the case. I think they have a very chaotic way of songwriting, um, which harks back to I mean, at the drive-ins, the big one 
isn't it? Um, I think you reviewed this for Metal Hammer. I think you mentioned Blood Brothers as well, which I think is not a yeah. bad, not a bad comparison point as well. Uh, and they do it with a lot of panache and invention. Songs like Six Degrees from Phrenology, the first song of the record, with a chock full of ideas, twists, and turns. Um, there's nothing on here that's particularly original, if I'm honest. Um, right. Or that gives the band their own sense of identity as of yet. But there's still plenty of time for that to happen, I think. After all, Acrobatic Tenement by At The Drive-In is not great. Pretty rubbish. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah pretty rubbish. I'm glad. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to go in on me if I said it was a bit rubbish, but it's a bit rubbish. And they managed to forge a very strong identity on their next couple of records, I think starting with In Casino Out, going through to Veya, then, you know, on Relationship of Command. Brilliant. Um, I think this is um, a really cool, chaotic 20 minutes. I don't think it has many songs that will sort of stick in my head. I think this is just cool, pure chaos. And that's cool, but the key to my interest being retained in this band is if they can then apply some... Um, I don't want to say traditional songwriting. I'm not suggesting they should break out the acoustic guitars and get all Bob Dylan-y. But just, just, just chuck a few more hooks in there and like chuck a few more bits in which make it more palatable. I think if this is lower automations, greyer than you remember, and they take a step step into warmth of a dying sun territory, not in the way that the record sounds, but in the the the, the clearness that they were kind of trying to attack a different audience at that point, trying to try to expand what they could do. I think that could be really interesting. At present, I don't think lower automation have enough of those strong hooks or memorable moments. Uh, seeming more content and creating as much noise and dissonance as possible and that's fine that's totally cool to do with your first record but i would say that there are other bands doing a similar ish sort of thing see you space cowboy for your health i'm going to throw in the calisteo boys as well because i know you're not as big a fan but i think they're fantastic and i don't i think those bands are all doing it to a higher standard but there isn't loads to catch up on. I just think I, this hasn't as impressed me as much as any of those bands' debuts, personally. No, I think it, you know it being brief, I think suits it Very because much so. that kind of Fall of Troy, Paper Chase, Blood Brothers, Q and Not You yeah. intensity, I think is in twenty twenty one. It's really hard to sustain that and keep yeah. it interesting for people because, like like you say, they're not really bringing anything unique to the table. No. No. You know, they're not actually bringing, you know, they're not actually kind of um, changing the, the the genre in any way whatsoever. And that's fine. No, not many people in the world of music are really. They've just chosen to do something which, you know, 20, 25 years ago felt like the most insane, like, oh, my fucking God, what is going on? What is this? How did this happen? This music is mental. Yeah. We're all used to those tricks at this point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think like getting manic and scrappy and having a couple of like really excellent guitar parts i mean there's a song there's a song called paper cuts which i think is one of the you're right like this kind of careers by and you just go wow mm. like i mean i've sort of heard this but yeah, cool i like this thing i mean if if you're a fan of this type of thing you're gonna have a, i think you will have a lovely time i think it's mm. really quite good mm. um if you're not then it's not going to convince you that that these sort of bands or anything other than just kind of I agree. 
you know kind Noise of agitators or, yeah 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 i i think they've done enough for their debut album but in order for me to remain interested they're gonna have to do more on the follow-up album if this was their second record i'd go in much harder on it i will confess but it isn't so that's irrelevant mm. and i think this is good enough for now but you but in order to stay ahead in this game you've got a lot of really great competition at the moment competition yeah they compadres, do. whatever you know you've got a lot of other bands who are doing this really 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 well and um you've got a little bit of catching up to do but th they definitely have the potential to get there i think mm. we'll yeah see. i think so too i mean I, I i kind of i heard them and it's it's weird isn't it like there are some things i think i've said it every time we've reviewed something like this or one of these bands where you just go oh, i love this stuff yeah Oh, I remember when that was exciting and happening. And, you know, this is probably obviously an age thing on my part, but I was like, oh, God, you know, and I just liked hearing a new band doing this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, I do too, to be fair. Yeah, and then when you hear it a few more times, you are like, I kind of need you to be as good as those bands. And yeah. I don't think, yeah. you, you know, I, when you say as good as those bands... Obviously, I'm sitting there and going, well, I've heard Relationship of Command. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that that's not really fair. Mm. I, You know, I, I've heard Young Machetes. Yeah. Well, that's not a fair comparison, yeah. is it? To yeah. be making yeah. with a band on their debut album who've mm, just released no. 20 minutes of material, like, no. you know, f 15, 16 years after that record came out. It's not really a fair comparison. Those records are just absolutely astonishing, astonishing once mm. in a lifetime, once in a career records. Brilliant, brilliant albums. Yeah so you know that is i don't want to kind of downplay that because i actually like this i think this is good so do i you know i actually enjoy it when it's on i really really enjoy it yeah but i'm a bit like you it finishes and i go fuck i can't really remember what just happened quite yeah 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 you gave it seven out of ten in metal hammer i think that's a very fair score mm, yeah 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 so there you go lower automation by lower automation and that's one of the briefest podcasts we've done mm. For two people who don't shut up and keep going on like a couple of fucking mouthy pieces of shit, we've actually managed to. I I Sorry, I, I, I... <laughs> that's okay. that's okay. I mean, a little harsh on me. Um, I can <laughs> yeah. I can actually add to it if you'd like because I forgot to say this to you before we started recording. But um, I was gonna suggest that I review the Mastodon um acoustic aquarium stream which I watched on Sunday night. Um, so I could chuck that in at the end here. If you'd like to, I, yeah. I think it's well worth doing because, um, spoiler alert, it was very fucking good. So it was an acoustic performance at the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta. And as a result, like, I mean, it was basically just imagine playing, imagine Mastodon playing in, at Sea Life. Um, it was just wicked. They just had loads wow. of fishes and sharks and stingrays and people, people, fish um, and, and other very other uh, underwater fish people, <laughs> yeah. other underwater variants swimming around. Um, uh, uh, Metal Hammer scribe Eleanor would have absolutely fucking loved it. I'm sure she watched it because she loves creatures of the sea, doesn't she? Um, she does. And they. I think the thing that really made it special, though, is they made it an acoustic performance. And uh, stop me if I'm wrong, Steve, but I don't think Macedon have done an acoustic performance before, have they? I don't know. I mean, I not that I'm aware of. I mean, it does sound like a... 
like an unusual thing for Mastodon to do. They don't strike me as a very acoustically minded band. To yeah. Honest, but, you know. And I think this was a massive, massive strength of the show. First of all, we got shitloads of material that we never normally hear. So they played Naked Burn, which is the first time they played that song since July 18th, 2014, apparently. Um, they played The Sparrow, which is the first time they played it since July 19th, 2014. They played Elephant Man, which they'd never played before. They played Pendulous Skin, which they'd never, ever played before. They also debuted a new song called Skeleton of Splendor, which was um, actually written for Nick John their um, manager who sadly passed away um, I think it was last year maybe it was the year before they yeah. released a cover of a very straight down the line cover of Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven in tribute him on Record Store Day which is really good if yeah. you haven't heard of it if you haven't heard it but yeah this song was um, uh, very simple as far as Mastodon stuff goes but it was very you know it was good I was really I'm really curious to see where it will sit on a Mastodon record if um, the rest of the record is more like their complex kind of Crack the Sky era or Emperor of Sand or Blood Mountain material. I don't know exactly how it's going to fit in on the album. But if it's more Hunter-like, I could see that far clearer. So who knows? I'm not saying that that's the direction the new album's going in, but it might be, which could be mm. interesting at this point, I think. Um they played Asleep in the Deep from Once More Around the Sun, which I really like seeing. I think, like, one massive highlight for me was seeing the songs that I really didn't expect to work. And there were two in particular. They played the Tsar, which is fucking 10-minute-long opus from Crack yeah. the Sky, acoustically. And I was like, how is this going to work? And fucking beautifully, as it turns out. But I think my absolute highlight was probably Sleeping Giant from Blood Mountain, which just sounded fucking terrific. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. It kind of called to mind, and this is big words I know, especially um, for you, but it called to mind the Alice in Chains MTV Unplugged. Um, just because, wow. just because you can't imagine Sludge Factory acoustically, and you're like, is that gonna work? I'm not sure. And then you hear Alice in Chains do it on the MTV Unplugged and yeah, it works amazingly well. And there's a few songs I've always kind of said, you know, I love the Nirvana MTV Plugs. I love them, the um, Alice in Chains MTV Unplugged. But for me, no contest. The Alice in Chains is the better one because they chose a bunch of material that you did expect them to cover acoustically and a bunch of material that you really didn't. And I think Nirvana did all of their quiet songs and then a whole bunch of covers, which was great in its own way, but I'm far yep. more interested in bands um, making their songs in an acoustic work in an acoustic fashion. And I think Mastodon did that brilliantly with Sleeping Giant and the Cesar, the Cesar, the Cesar. Um, so yeah it was it was just really fantastic I, I kind of wasn't expecting many more live streams considering we're sort of potentially hopefully getting out of this Ooh, I thing i think now. they're gonna be around for a while mate don't you worry about that well yeah but actually if it's stuff that's done like this then i don't mind that this is to my knowledge and you know at me if there are any other examples of it but to my knowledge this is the only way you can hear acoustic mastodon stuff at the moment and it was really fucking good it was really really cool there were interview segments in between each song kind of um describing why they picked each song and what it meant to them and yada yada, yada. and those were all really good as well 
um yeah it was fantastic i think my only my only beef with it they had a little bit of um effects and and, and uh post effects sort of stuff where they made fishes swim across the members of the band and i don't think that was really needed i actually kind <laughs> of preferred the natural environment of them well it's not a natural environment but the environment of them just in the aquarium that's all that was really needed you don't have to like cgi fish i mean that's not as bad as that sounds it sounds like they like put a terrible cgi fish like in a scorpion it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was it wasn't amateurly done i just didn't think they needed to do it and okay. it was actually a little bit distracting sometimes but other than that i thought it was absolutely fantastic um and nice. um yes more of that please. well i was gonna watch that I was all ready to go to watch that. I wanted not to go, but I was ready to have it because I got sent the link to be like, please watch this. I was like, yes, I will. And then I got asked to go to an actual gig uh. on the day. What did I'm you see? Talk about... Oh, I'm not going to talk about that. Because oh. I was reviewing it for Metal Hammer and uh, it might, it'll get an all right review in Metal Hammer. But it <laughs> won't get a good review here. Uh, <laughs> put it that way. Um, anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with... Fucking hell. Dave? King Woman? Creeper? Yeah. Maybe Kanye West? Yeah. Maybe Billie Eilish? Yeah. Maybe, Pri- maybe Prince? Yeah. Uh, it's a fucking bonkers Renf- week next week. Renfrey Renf- Renf- would have King Woman above all of those other artists, <laughs> by the way. It'd be like, so we have to do that one. That'd be the main one. Um, That's a great record. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we should definitely prioritise it over posthumous prince album for sure um and Kanye west album definitely uh anyway um thanks very much for listening guys go to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right podcast and we will um have some goodies for you over there you also might have a little goodie coming up a couple of goodies early next week for our birthday yeah Maybe. if if you're annoyed that this particular show was uh, short don't worry, you'll be getting plenty of stuff next week. More than you'll, you you'll... probably want, to be honest. Yes. And none of it's about you two. Well, a little bit about it is, but not a lot of it is. Anyway, thanks very much, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>